Hey everyone, it's Clara and I'm back with another one of my science chats. So today I'm really excited to be talking to uh, Dr. Pranoti Kershesaga. Uh, Pranoti is uh, an amazing human being that I met at a conference in Berlin in 2019 called iScientist. And we actually talk a little bit about that conference um, towards the end of our, our chat. Um, and Pernotti uh, lives in Germany, at, um, and it was in Germany that I met them. And so this is our first international one, I guess. Uh, and they're also just, like I say, they're an amazing um, human being. They do a lot of outreach and science communications, including podcasts. I've been on one of their podcasts, and they have Twitter takeover. Um, so I'll put the links for the things that Pernotti runs uh, down below. Like I say, there's a... Uh, there's podcasts and there's a YouTube channel and there's a Twitter uh, channel where Pranati gets uh, material scientists take over and talk about their work for a week. So uh, we're in similar science communication and she's just such a, a great person to chat to. I just have so much fun uh, and I'm just really excited to have met her. So hopefully that will come across and we'll get to um, figure out who she is. Hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. So thanks so much for joining my call. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Excited to speak with you, Clara. It's always so much fun to talk to you. I just, yeah, I know. I, um, it's Yeah, I always get really giddy when we're talking. I think there's just something about that. It's just, just <laughs> so bubbly and fun. And it's just, it gives me uh, the ability to just be silly, which I like. <laughs> Your laugh and your smile are really infectious. It's brilliant. I love it so much. So, um, and also you said, like you said, you, you do a lot of talking and it's not very often you're the guest, you're usually the host. So hopefully this will be something exciting and interesting for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. It's my first time being featured on uh, someone else's YouTube channel. Uh, so I'm quite excited about that. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. Cool. So, um, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself for our viewers? Who are you and what do you do? Okay, that's a, that's a very, um, very, very simple question, but I'm still trying to figure out who I am. I'm not oh. in a philosophical way. So. Oh, I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Pranati, um, and uh, I'm a trained material scientist. Materials or nanoscientist, whatever, whichever category you want to put me in, or whichever box. Um, and um, so my master and PhD were both was about uh, in the nano scale, fabricating or creating nanomaterials and then uh, making use of them, characterizing them, playing with them, basically, you know, all about it. Um, and now I am a product manager uh, at a scientific publishing house, so Springer Nature. I hope you know about Springer and Nature. Well, I do at least, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're known for books and some journals here and there and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm a product manager there for one of their databases, uh, which is a research tool for nanoscientists um, to make life easier uh, when you're looking for information and stuff. So that's the day job. And then the other side of me is more um, into like science communication of sorts. Uh, yep. So I have a YouTube channel 
uh, we create podcasts on a regular basis. And there are a bunch of things that are going around, but I'll stop uh, now with introducing myself. Otherwise, I'll just ramble on. No, it's, it's it's nice to hear. It's good, and it's like I say your enthusiasm for everything you do is really good. And you're right, it, you know. So you're a material scientist, which is really nice because I met you at a conference, and it was a general science conference. And usually, when you go to a conference and say I'm a material scientist, people go, "A what?" And you know, you actually know, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of materials were you uh researching? What sort of um what what was your field uh, of research when you were doing your PhD on a kind of you know uh, not too in-depth material scientist to material scientist uh, <laughs> sort of you know for for people that maybe aren't as familiar with the field. Yeah, so um, I worked with a bunch of uh, nanomaterials, all some of the other forms of carbon. Um, so okay. the most common, I guess people will know graphene, the wonder material of the 21st century. Yay. Um, <laughs> so I work with graphene. I also work with in rolled up graphene, so carbon nanotubes, uh, basically, or carbon nanostructures, whatever yeah. you call it. Um, I also worked a little bit with polymers, so P dot PSS, um, okay. poly, dimethyl, dial, 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 I don't remember. It says Google P dot PSS. It's a conductive polymer. Honestly, um, you could have said anything and it'd have been like, "Oh right, cool," because I don't know either. <laughs> Although conductive polymer, that's kind of interesting. Hmm? Yeah, I was also fascinated by it because in my head, polymers are insulators, right? Yeah. This polymer to insulate them. But this is a conductive polymer, uh, which is, can be to a certain extent transparent, depending on the thickness and stuff. Um, huh. But yeah, that's what I work with. Polymers, 3D materials, 1D materials, if they were staggery, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and what was, I mean, what was the point of those materials? Were they for a particular, I mean, you said they're conductive, but I think especially graphene, graphene is something we hear about quite a lot. Um, I'm from Manchester and there's the Graphene Centre at the University <laughs> of Manchester. And uh, I just had a look and they happen to have jobs. But um, <laughs> um, uh, And as a proud Mancunian, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that it was discovered in Manchester. But I mean... We often hear about it, but I think maybe outside of the materials world, most people are like, that's great. Why do we care? What what does it do? Yeah, yeah. So there are quite a lot of applications of graphene. And I think recently, or there are several things coming up on a regular basis. There was this graphene uh, dress uh, that some company created. And there was a graphene helmet, a graphene running shoes, graphene bikes. and I. I was not involved with any of those. All I did was read up and be like, oh, ah, that's cool. Um, but what I did during my PhD was, especially with graphene, uh, to put it very simply, so I basically created, or rather we, because we, we were a team, we created, um, we, we, we created devices to spy on neurons. I mean, to put it like in a super simple way, to spy on brain cells or heart cells. 
it's, oh it, it, it's that simple so where I can get go into the details so what we what the cells do the way they communicate you probably know this is that there is the electrical signal when one neuron is talking to another neuron there's an electrical signal because of the different channels that are in this biological um, and there is a way to uh, detect these electrical signals um, and the way you do it is that let's say there is a cell and this is your sensing device let's call it a sensing device for now and when the cell comes either directly in contact with the sensing device or close to your device uh, that's how you detect this electrical activity and this is called electrophysiology um, this method is called electrophysiology and it's more complicated than just the cells coming and sitting on your your sensing device um, so the sensing device is basically it's an electrode which is it could be of any dimension so the ones we had were 30 micrometer diameter um, okay. so really tiny why am i doing this this is really tiny really big <laughs> Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I often say like anything that's two micron is too big for me. So, uh, thirty <laughs> micrometers, I'm like huge, huge. Yeah, yeah, they're they're quite big. They were they were in the micro scale, their size. And now these electrodes were made out of uh, graphene. So that's where the nano part comes in. Uh, and the reason why we went for graphene is that we. While doing this electrophysiology or recording electrical activity, we wanted to look at the cell. We wanted to see which cell are we recording from. How far is it, best case scenario, how far is it from our electrode and do more, like get to know more about the cells and how they communicate, how they interact with each other. Um, and that's why we needed transparent electrodes uh, so that even if, when there is a cell sitting on top of your electrode, you can't really go with the optical microscope from the top. You have to go from the bottom. That's the only way to, to look at this interface between the electrode and the cell. And that's why we needed transparent electrodes. That's why we went for graphene and to some cases also carbon nanotubes. Um, and then, uh, of course, graphene itself was not enough because we need, graphene has really good conductivity in plane. But out of the plane is where it gets a bit wonky. Uh -huh. And that's where we needed this conductive polymer, so P.PMS, PSS, P.PSS. So we coated uh, our graphene electrode or decorated, however you call it. We decorated our graphene electrode with P.PSS layer so that uh, graphene is still conducting. Uh, but the majority of cell signal picking is happening uh, by the P.PSS because they are better uh, in conducting the electrical signals or picking up the signal, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Huh. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, there's so much research that goes on that people don't really think about you know, behind yeah. the scenes. And, and sometimes, I think I've given an example in the past of I got into material science by making uh, basically crisp packets to keep your uh, bags of crisps fresh, you know. Um, <laughs> but then there's so much more than that and uh, there's so many different things that you've got to think about. And um, I, I, especially in material science, it's such a big, wide, broad field and there's so many different applications that we need. And 
usually, you know, quite often I feel, not always, but quite often they are trying to solve a problem to try and do something, to try and achieve something in particular. Um, mm. So I just, yeah, it's always really cool. So even though we're both material scientists, like that's not really something that I knew about. You know, there's a lot that you've just told me there and it, I'm sure it's the same you know, with what I do. In fact, actually, whenever I change groups, I'm like, oh, right, we do this? Oh, cool. And we're using similar building blocks in all those different groups, which is why I've jumped around. But yeah, um, yeah no, sometimes I'm talking to other people and I'm like, oh, I had no idea, you know. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, I'm still so fascinated every time I speak to a a fellow material scientist or a scientist in general as well and just catching up after a long day of a conference or anything like that and then you get into those details and you're like oh right this is so cool i never thought about this i never thought a material scientist would work in for example keeping the crisp fresh yeah <laughs> it's like what uh, but yeah, I completely agree. And I no doubt every time I visit uh, now with my current job, I get to visit several different labs. I used to get to visit several different labs before Corona time. Um, yeah. So and then I always ask for a lab tour because that is like my uh, way of staying in touch with science a little bit. And then of course, and I get into like, oh, so which material? So what do you do exactly? What kind of characterization? Why did you choose that? And then they are always like, um, yeah, okay, we can tell you more about it, absolutely. But it's so cool. I'm always so fascinated by visiting these labs. It's so amazing. Yeah, and it, and it goes to show that, um, you know, science will get... Uh, I want to talk about two different things at the same time here, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna pick one. But you know, uh, we'll come back to your your day job. But you know, it's it shows that there's so many different routes that you can go into from science and so many different things. And also, you know, you're working for a publisher, and people just sort of assume that oh, you you've done uh, writing or English or you know editing or whatever. And it's like no, actually, it's scientists doing the science editing a lot of the time. You know, yeah. Um, but the the other thing is that, I mean, I think this brings us really nicely into the science communication side of it as well, because so you have um, a, a, pod, a, a channel, a YouTube channel, and you have a Twitter feed, and you are highlighting material scientists and getting them to talk about their material science. And um, it, it's not just science in general and I, I'm doing these talks and it's sort of like I'm talking to scientists but you actually have like this account trying to show different types of material science and the variation um, and it's it's a passion project right you're doing it for fun on, on your own time what uh, why <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, absolutely it's a passion project and I'm doing it for fun and the idea was um, Basically, that uh, I'm fascinated by materials and nanoscience, and I was, or I'm still pretty sure that there are people who would be fascinated once they know about what materials and nanoscience is, and it has so much to offer. It has such variation, bag of crisps, 
to biology, like recording from like cells, and probably maybe using similar materials or a material from the same element. It might be. So there is so much diversity there, and there are so many exciting. There is just so much exciting research that is happening, and the scientists are so cool. I mean, I always say this that I still get to hang out with the cool kids who are the scientists. So. That's kind of my uh, one of the reasons why I I started the Twitter account, the Real Scientist Channel, and I wanted to dedicate it, or rather, I wanted to create a platform completely for materials for nanoscientists. Because you know, as a material scientist, it happens at least it happened with me quite often that physicists thought that I'm a chemist, and the chemist thought that I'm a physicist, and then if both of them were in the room together, they were like, ah, engineers. You're not one of us. Um, and then no, let's not even get started with biologists. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I wanted to create a platform where everyone can come, be it if you're a hardcore chemist and a little bit of materials and nanoscience you do, you're still welcome. Take over the account and tell everyone how you, uh, what is your what is your version of materials and nanoscience? Because uh, your version, Clara, is different than my version, clearly, with the bag of crisps and the So, yeah, that was basically the idea behind it, and that's mainly why I, I started this, uh, the podcast series and also the Twitter account. Cool. So, what's the Twitter account called again? And I will uh, put the link below, by the way. <laughs> okay, thanks. So, it's real size uh, underscore nano. Uh, yeah. Real sci for real scientists underscore nano, but the handle yeah. is real sci underscore nano. Yeah, so like I say, I'll I'll make sure that I put the link below so that people can find it. Yeah. And then, so you did the did you do the Twitter account first, and then you decided to start doing the YouTube as well? Because you uh, started no, doing uh, which no, way around was it? It was the other way around. So the YouTube right. channel came first. Uh, the science talk, the YouTube channel, it came first. It was in the last year of my PhD or somewhere midway through my PhD, I started thinking, okay, what can I, what, what can I do? What, what kind of science communication do I want to do? Um, and then back then, uh, this was 2017, end of 2017 or beginning of 2018. And I was watching these uh, 73 questions uh, with Vogue. Uh, I don't know if you know this uh, series, that there is just a, a, a person uh, following a celebrity uh, and asking yeah. them 73 questions, like, where okay. was your last holiday? Um, what is your, I don't know, coffee or tea, whatever, all kinds of funny, funny, fun questions. Fun questions. And I found that concept so fascinating. That I was like, I'm going to do this with scientists. And that time it wasn't like materials and nanoscientists. It could be every, all kinds of scientists are welcome. So that's basically how the, the, the YouTube channel started. That I want to make, like treat scientists as if they are celebrities. Because they are, like in my head they are. In my view they are. So that's, I'm, I'm, YouTube channel is my my way of showing people what goes on in my head to a certain <laughs> extent. <laughs> and then there were more and more um, uh, themes that were developed and that started like 
so the 73 questions with vogue uh, equivalent became 42 questions because well 42 is the answer to everything uh, first <laughs> then we developed uh, my first science then there is in other words uh then there is listen up uh, and now there is the under the microscope which is the podcast series um so yeah that's basically that was your question right sorry i yeah, did quite yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. here <laughs> i love i love that you dropped in a 42 reference i think if i'm remembering correctly today in that we're recording this today it's the 42, is the 42nd week yeah, it's it's and it's an I think it's an anniversary of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy coming out as well. I, I believe, I believe. Uh, I think I saw something earlier today. Uh-huh. So the irony is uh, the 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 coincidences are strong today. Yeah, it's all it's all connected somehow. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> so yeah, so you've got different YouTube channels, and again, we can put the links um, in the description, but. Uh, so which, you know, wh- what channels do you want to, um, what what are they called? So That's the question. What are they called? That, so there's only one channel that holds, that has several different playlists or several yep. different formats. So the science, the YouTube channel is called the Science Talk. Yep. Um, and it basically has all of these different themes or different categories Um of, of uh, content like in other words for example is about uh, where scientific terms or scientific papers are explained in simple words mm. uh, cool. so that's the idea for the in other words and that's also one of the reasons i don't know if you remember uh, in the podcast that we recorded one of the questions was the experiment that you're proud of and explain it to us in other words so that's where the connection ah. was yeah. that's cool yeah that was that was in a different time. I mean, we did that over the internet because yeah. um, you're in Germany and I'm in the UK. Um, yeah. And now it's become a lot more common to do these over the internet, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I misspoke when I said YouTube channels. I did realize that they're all, I have different playlists on this channel as well. So, you know, I know, I know. Um, and for people listening to the podcast, uh, I have different... <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I, I, I've been re- changing them and, and re- uh, releasing them as podcasts as well, true podcasts. So I have to remember, like, uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, then it's a YouTube channel and I have different playlists and, and so do you. <laughs> <laughs> you're so professional, Clara. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, totally. Like, I'm all about it. I know what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a professional. Professional. Yeah, so, so and I think... Am I right that I saw that it was a year anniversary since you started doing? Was that the Twitter takeovers or the YouTube channel? What was that? Uh, so it was the anniversary of uh, the Twitter account plus the podcast. So the podcast series and the Twitter account started together. Yeah. So all the curators are featured on the podcast. So the first curator of the Real Sand School Nano is the first uh, under the microscope guest episode one yes uh, so it was the anniversary yes uh, that's okay sorry to bring back the photo two again but no, we counted. in the last one year uh we had 42 guests wow. uh, and 84 podcasts because then every guest has two podcasts uh so yeah it was the anniversary yeah 
Did you do 42 on purpose? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly not, no. I mean, if it was up to me, I would have 52. Yeah. Um, but we we had to take breaks, like Christmas breaks and summer breaks and all. But it, it, it's nice when things... Yeah, of course it was on purpose. Yes, 42. Yes, absolutely. Yes, Clara. That's what I purpose. thought. <laughs> yeah, it was completely on purpose. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I mean, yeah, so um, for any of the listeners, I, I did do one early on. And I think, I think there was a Twitter takeover that came with that as well. And I think it was like the first time I'd ever done a Twitter takeover. And so... I don't know. I, it was it was really unusual for me to do it, in, and it was the first time. And I was like, I don't know what people want to hear because I just, I don't know. On my Twitter, I just put out whatever random thought is in my head, so I could not tweet for three weeks. And then I can. Yesterday, I put out pictures of my plants. You know, <laughs> so I I I never know. And I felt like, oh no, I have to, I have to have content and what sort of thing, and I want it to be right. And it's, and then I started making um, uh, um, pictures. I wanted to explain everything with pictures, and so all of a sudden I went down that rabbit hole of like trying to trying to animate all my all my <laughs> science, basically trying to draw like a whole bunch of the stuff. And it's actually what got me. Uh, uh, one of the playlists on my channel is me animating my science or animating science. And I, when I, I'm using animated loosely, you know, I'm doing it all in PowerPoint, but uh, but things <laughs> move and things collide and stuff. That's animation. Well, it is. It's just, you know, uh, it's using my skills. And, and even then, I think I've improved. But yeah, I've actually, um, yeah, it actually because of you saying oh give us some pictures and it's like that's how it that's uh it evolved into me making these animations and then i started doing talks with these animations and then i thought well i should put these on youtube and and now i'm doing this so it's all kind of due to you really so there you go oh thank you i appreciate it and I mean, the animation, I do remember, I still remember your presentation at the iScientist conference. This was in last year, it was in 2019. And I still remember it, yeah. He's a science communicator. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it was just like two slides about your science and the rest of the talk was um, not scientific. Yeah. But in those first two slides, I was like, yeah, yeah. Clara, I need to have her. On, on the podcast and take over the Twitter account because she knows how to communicate science. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I remember... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, please. Uh, I, I still remember we were trying to come up with a title and then we came up with... Or you came up with playing snooker with atoms because uh, that was the best way to explain what you do. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I still love that title. I've got like two that I've been using. I've been using the same titles for a while. And one of them was that one. And then there's <laughs> another one that I've been using for a little while. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. I've got like two two titles and then two photographs that I use for all the publicity. Like anytime anyone's like, have you got a picture? I've got two. And I use the same ones. And my hair is like completely different colors and completely different. I don't, in fact, one of them, I don't think I've even got more, most of the tattoos, but it's like, a, 
I'm not taking pictures. <laughs> you should. You should oh. take pictures. You should take more pictures. Um, just for fun. I need... I don't know. I never like what I see. I don't mind doing videos, but I don't like what I see in the, um, in terms of photographs. Um, I just I never okay. have. It's just it's just part of me. Um, okay. I, I'm notoriously camera dodgy, but, uh, a, a notorious camera dodger. But I, I should I should get some more at some point, just because you know, like I say, I I I think my hair looks so different now that I really <laughs> need to I really need to update my pictures just because of that. Although, um, weirdly enough, for someone that hates photographs, I did two photo shoots two weeks ago, which was. I know, and I should say, like, I think I've done four photo shoots in about ten years, <laughs> and two of them were two weeks ago. So you will definitely have some pictures, some new pictures, uh, more updated pictures. Well, no, because they were for one was for um, one was for an art project for a local artist, so that was okay. very it was different. Um, <laughs> And the other one was for a magazine. In fact, it was for Nature. So. Oh really? Wow! Wow! Well, that picture you can definitely use. I hope. Yeah, I don't know. I think it looks. Um, so the art, the photographer who came was awesome, um, and the picture was not what I expected for for a science publication. Basically, like. Yeah. Yeah, I got on really well with the photographer and I'm really excited to see it. And like I say, it is not the sort of picture that I expect to see in a science publication at all. Like, it okay. was it was more like a, a rock uh, album cover, I think. Like, by the time we'd done it, it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited to see that picture now. Do you know yeah. where it's supposed to be published? Is it part I have of the no magazine? idea. Oh, It'll be okay. A, some point i think the photographer's got to send it over and i've not done the interview yet but yeah so it's kind of but yeah i'm really excited for that that should be really cool <laughs> i'm super excited to see that picture oh now now the hype is up well the funny thing is like usually if people come in and they want to photograph you in the lab and so it's like, oh, can you put a white lab coat on? Can you wear, can you look down this microscope? Can you look interested at this machine? So I was expecting that. And she was like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not doing it like that. We're, we're doing a proper picture. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, can you give us some hints like did you do some science? while taking the pictures or did you pretend to do science or was there no science involved but only scientific environment i was sat i was sat in front of uh, uh one of the machines in our laboratory so ah okay okay yeah all right. but i've got my feet up on a desk and all sorts it's great <laughs> ah that's so cool Oh, excited to see that picture. Send it to when when the article or the magazine or whatever is out. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, no, like I say, it's, I, I I like I enjoy talking about science and I enjoy uh, communicate uh, communicating. Um, 
and, and I even enjoy doing these videos. I, I you know, I, I, I don't mind seeing myself on video, but yeah, photographs, photographs are very different. And like I said, I really need to update. But no, like I say, it's, um, yeah, doing that Twitter takeover for your Twitter uh, channel is like, it really gave me a push to do some stuff and, and change the way I do it. And yeah. And it's nice that you saw my slides and was like, oh, yes, we need this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad if I had a small part to play in what you're doing right now. I'm happy. Oh, you do. No, definitely. <laughs> but and, and, and that's the thing. You obviously have um, a passion for science communication. Is that and you've got this YouTube video. I mean, I always wonder, like, I enjoy the science communication, but I wonder how much you can turn it into a career, whether it's something that will bring in money, whether it's something you can do full time. And I think we need more people to be able to do that. Um, and obviously, so, I mean, this isn't... You're, you do work for a journal, which is... And I find that science communication is a little bit different, but... I, I, what's your thoughts? I mean, do you think that, you know, there is a market for people who do science communication full time? And I, I mean, obviously, you hope so, and I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what do you think? I mean, do you think that we will start treating our scientists like celebrities, like you were saying earlier? Is that possible? I think... Um... I think at this point it is happening to a certain extent. So if you think about it, uh, especially with these giant prizes, like Nobel Prize, for example, when a scientist wins a Nobel Prize, that person is definitely a celebrity. That person becomes celebrity overnight, uh, kind of overnight to the world, but kind of coming for the people around them. Um, and I mean, be able to start treating uh, the rest of the scientists or majority of scientists who don't win the Nobel Prize uh, as, as celebrities. I mean, probably not as celebrities. That might be a bit too... That would be, I would say, the next step. Um, but the first step would be to see them, first of all, see them, recognize them, um, and then uh, look at them as human beings. Because I, human beings who do extraordinary things. Um, I mean, a scientist's life is fun, but it's also hard. It's not like, uh, it's not a cakewalk. It's really, really tough. And I feel that people need to uh, recognize that, or rather we as science communicators, we need to tell people that, hey, it's, it's um, scientists around you, recognize scientists around you, and Raise your kids to be interested in science, and if they do want to become a scientist, encourage them and let them do it. Because that then it comes to full circle. I see that as more of a uh, that that's the direction that I would like to see we are headed towards. Um, and I, regarding the other question that you mentioned or at the point, if science communication can become a full time um, employment or enough to sustain, uh, to start there. Um, I think in Germany, um, it, it's still, we are still a bit away from it because in general, 
that's just my feeling. That's just my observation. People, not just when it comes to uh, uh, science, but all the other stuff. Just being present on digital platforms. So that is something which is a lot of people are not that keen on doing. Uh, but having said that, we do have uh, quite a bunch of amazing science communication communicators in Germany, like Maisie, um, who who want, she mostly does science communication in German, and she just I think last week or two weeks ago she won the most prestigious honor from the president um, of of Germany. So mm-hmm. science communicators are being recognized. But making it a full-time employment, I feel that the universities um, or companies or institutions, research institutions, they are still yet to uncover the power of science communication. They are yet to uncover how cool it is. And I'm generalizing it when I'm saying that they, but this is very, um, uh, it changes on a like a regional basis. But in Germany, for sure, we still need more um, government-funded projects or universities or research institutions to actually take science communication seriously. Because um, once they take it seriously, that's when we can go towards more of a, a full-time employment um, and not a temporary or even if it's temporary, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's interesting what you said about um, people that win Nobel Prizes because there's no doubt that the people that win Nobel Prizes, I mean, that's so prestigious and there is that sort of prestige and celebrity status with that. Um, mm. But I know, uh, and this is in no way diminishing the work that they're doing, but I know that I've seen um, a couple of Nobel um, Prize winners speak, uh, do, you know, presentations, and it's quite dry. <laughs> you know and like say it's in no way diminishing the science that they're doing but i'm not sure that they're science communicators as such i think they're uh, they're um very much got this researcher and that is a generalization and i'm sure there are some people who do amazing really fun but i know that the few that i've seen have been yeah i mean it's been it's been quite dry i think is is the thing um and i was actually chatting with another guest on here about the future of teaching as well the the future of lecturing because i think if you're a good science communicator surely we want our science lecturers to be good science communicators and i don't know about you but i had a whole bunch of bad ones Um, (laughs) amazing people very smart very knowledgeable but very dry and and um and we were talking about you know trying to and and so I think that's we should be taking this more seriously because I think if we encourage our future lecturers and our future teachers to do this outreach and and we recognise those skills, then there's more likelihood that they'll go into maybe teaching or lecturing. I don't know what you think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and uh, good that you brought it up, Sarah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Being a scientist, I mean, one of the responsibilities, especially in the academic setting, uh, if you are a scientist, is also to mentor and pass your knowledge on to the next generation. And a lot of this is also about if you're teaching 
50, class of 50 or class of 100 or class of 200, you are communicating your science. You might call it teaching, but in a way you are communicating science. And they will be graded, there would be exams, all that thing, but at the core of it, what you're doing is you're communicating science. So as a teacher, you absolutely, absolutely have to know how to effectively communicate science because being a teacher, I think, is a huge responsibility. And I have utmost respect for all the teachers, especially with the current times, like going virtual and trying to figure out Zoom and trying to figure out how to record lectures and stuff. It's a tough job. And what makes it even a little bit easier is that if you have been trained to communicate your science, if, if either it comes to you naturally or the university tells you that, okay, Clara, you're going to take five classes next, uh, teach five classes next semester. We feel that you should take this science, science communication workshop or a lecture or whatever so that we train you to make sure that your life is slightly easier so that you know the tools and tricks and some little bit tricks here and there. So I think teaching is extremely, extremely um, important point to consider when we are talking about science communication. Absolutely, completely agree. Yeah, and I feel, and again, I, I, I don't know what it's like in Germany, and again, it's a generalization, but I feel like in, in the UK, it's generally that you're a scientist and then you have to teach. And I feel like you're not given the time to really develop it. You either have a heavy workload or you don't have the time. You're not given those courses and those skills. And um, for a lot of people, I feel like it's more of a burden to teach than it is something that people want to do in terms of university, in terms of science. Um, and again, that is a, a generalization, but it, it seems like it's like, well, if you're going to do research you're going to get this grant you have to commit to doing some lecturing mm -hmm. is it is it similar in in germany I, I don't know if you know um um so if you get funding then you have to teach yeah or rather just that you know a lot of people that are lecturing in the universities in science in the uk i know that a lot of them are doing it because they have to if they want to carry on doing their research rather than because they want to. Yeah, I, I don't know much about the system itself because I kind of got out of the academic system or research uh, right after my PhD uh, or before my PhD actually. But from my understanding, uh, if you're employed by the university and most of the universities or all universities in Germany are state-funded or like funded by the government, uh, and if you are funded by the government, then you have to do some sort of teaching. Uh, and it depends on if you're a junior lecturer, if you're a full professor, a junior professor or a full professor. Because in Germany, I think in the UK, you have this associate assistant uh, professor uh, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, so in Germany, yes, you do. You do have to teach if you are employed by a university, which is the case for most people. And I mean, I just feel that it, it's more of a—I don't know if it's a burden, but in some most—I don't know—I am generalizing it. I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible uh, yeah. because I don't know much about it. Uh, but I can imagine it being a burden 
for people and i feel that if you if you just while you're training to be a scientist during your master or during your phd or during your postdoc even if there is certain way that the system is like okay this is mandatory for you to take this one course of uh, teaching or science communication or call it whatever you want um and then you take that course and after taking that course you know the basics of it and after that you make an informed decision that okay as a scientist i don't want to do this as a scientist i do not want to teach um as a scientist i do want to teach so I feel that that needs to be there because right now, if you are a professor, you have to teach. So we are in that uh, like everyone has to do the same thing. But I think the system can be a bit more flexible uh, if we can t- go towards a bit of solutioning. That okay, Clara says she does not want to teach. Pranati says she says she wants to teach. Then there are different sets of KPIs um, set by the university for Clara, who is a scientist, a very good scientist, but doesn't teach. Pranati is a good scientist, kind of good scientist, but is teaching or something like that. I feel that that's very, very important. And that then goes together with having like uh, making, uh, paying your rent uh, while communicating science. That's mm-hmm. like coming, it, it comes down to that. That if it is integrated into the system, it, if it is part of the system, the science communication is part of the system in some or the other way then there would be more possibilities for science communicators to also grow and more avenues for them also to um, pay their rent with science communication, <laughs> tying it back. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I probably didn't put it very well. Um, and I was I probably, I, like I say, I, no offense to any lecturers that are watching because, I mean, there's some amazing people out there. But I know... I mean, I, I you know, I, I am well aware that I've had lecturers and they've had no formal training in teaching or science communication. I know that it's something that they've had to do, but there's not been that training. There's not been that formal thing. And I think in the UK, more and more, we're expecting people to have some sort of formal um, qualification. If you're lecturing, then you should have done this uh, course. But I know that a lot of people that have been doing it for a while aren't. I think it's only really new people coming through that are getting that training. Uh, it's how it seems to me. And I realise, um, you know, I am not lecturing. I don't lecture. I am just in the lab, um, which I keep on saying works really well for me because I don't like it means that I don't have to worry about a schedule. <laughs> I'm not very good with. But at the same time, I have lectured. I did during my PhD and I really enjoyed it. I Well, I was doing labs and it was really good fun, to be honest. I just... Oxford's a weird place to, to lecture. Uh, I think I'd like to do it, but uh, yeah. Um, it just works slightly different in Oxford compared to the rest of the UK, never mind you know europe <laughs> oh okay i did not know that <laughs> yeah oxford's unusual <laughs> it's a it's a bubble in itself huh oxford and yeah uh, yeah it is it really, really is um so i mean talking of science communication obviously a big thing for people in you know if you're doing research is to publish and mm-hmm. so you're working for um you know a rather well-known publisher i'd say 
So uh, what is it that you're doing? You talked about managing the databases. Mm -hmm. What's your day job? Yeah, so um, so I work at Springer Nature. Uh, So Springer is mainly known for books and Nature is mainly known for the journals. Um, And I must start by saying that I'm not an editor, neither of the books. or of the of the journals. I'm not on the editorial side. So if you send a manuscript, I'm not the one who's reading it. I'm not the one making sure that it gets to the reviewers and all everything that our editors do. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I am doing. So my job title is product manager, uh, nanoscience and technology. So what that entails is that what is my product? So let's go one by one. What is the product? The product is. The, uh, it's a database called Nano. So it's, the URL is nano.nature.com. And it's made by Nature Research. And um, the idea is to bring all the information about nanoscience and technology under one umbrella. So in one place. That is the Nano database. Now, what do we mean by information? So the information is basically everything um, that is relevant for the field, uh, that is coming or published in peer-reviewed journal articles, not just our journals, but uh, journals from other publishing houses as well. That is important, curated, trustworthy information, and patents. So articles and patents are the two main uh, categories uh, out of the three on the nano database, and the third category is nanomaterial summary, so everything that is reported about the nanomaterial, so, so how to synthesize it, how to characterize it, what are the properties of this nanomaterial, everything that has been reported, let's say about graphene or carbon nanotube uh, or any other nanomaterial, all this information is extracted manually and displayed in a table form. So that's what the nano database. Wow. Oh, cool, no? I know, so, right? So does that mean that you spend all day reading journals and patents and books? Uh, well, so <laughs> I'm not doing it myself, but we have a team of more than 60 or 70 people who are daily doing this thing. They're reading papers, they're reading patents, and extracting all this information manually. We have people doing that. We have experts doing that, and that's their job, just to read wow. just read papers just to read patterns because we all do this right as scientists i have done the same thing you have you are doing this on a regular basis like reading papers and be like okay how to do the what are the sputtering parameters that they uh, reported you are you have your own database yeah right you have your own version of a database and what nano is is that we try to have it as flexible as possible. So based on the keywords that you put in the search box, we try to give you the information that is as close uh, or as relevant for you um, as possible. So that's the product, okay? That's Nano. Um, and wow. I'm the product manager. So I'm managing the product. Uh, what does that mean? So that means that I have to take care of not just me, but uh, the product manager management team. We take care of uh, making sure, first of all, there is content that is constantly coming in, that the product is developed on a regular basis, um, that everything looks fine from the user interface point of view. Just like everything that has to do with the product uh, from the back end, uh, we have 
some amazing people that we work with and we collaborate on a on a regular basis. Um, and we tell them that okay, yeah, because I've been a nanoscientist, so I know how a nanoscientist thinks. Yeah. Uh, so that is one part of my job, making sure the product is developed uh, and going in the right direction. And by right direction, what we mean is going uh, as close to what a nanoscientist um, expects uh, or needs. Um, then there is also other parts of my job, which um, which is um, which goes with with uh, marketing or with sales. So basically, I'm talking to a lot of researchers uh, from all around the world, almost, and talking to them and checking with them. Okay, what is your research? Tell me about your research. And then we together evaluate. Okay, does Nano really help you? And if it does, then we talk about. Okay, let's let's see how to get get you the access uh, to make sure of. Uh, doing that, so that's what me as a product manager I'm doing. So I'm making sure that my product is at the center, uh, and then the product is happy and everyone is nurturing it um, at all times. Yeah. Oh, and that's something. I mean, I hadn't even considered that. I hadn't even thought of that. And I know we sort of talked about it earlier. And this is this is why I think it's really important. Um, it, it, you know, I wanted to have you on it because it's different. You know, this is, we need scientists to be doing this job. We need people to be doing this. And, and you just wouldn't have thought of it as um, a potential, uh, you know, career route. As a career. I didn't even realize this was going on, to be honest, you know. Uh, I, I just had no idea. And also, you, I mean, you know, you mentioned patents, so I'm picking it out, but you know, I know that's another field where over the last few years I've heard more and more from scientists that have gone into patents and I'm like, I never thought about this. I thought that was a law. You know, you did law and it wasn't scientists, but it's like, actually, no, we need scientists to be able to, if it's law about uh, patents about scientists, then yeah, we need we need scientists to do these jobs. Yeah. I didn't even know this was an option. I didn't even know this was something... Ah, yeah, that's yeah. Really I mean, cool. yeah. I mean, this is really. This was also something which was just uh, until like recently on my YouTube channel, I had a guest, a patent attorney, mm. uh, who is a physicist herself, and she's basically helping scientists, um, mainly physicists or chemists to a certain extent, like non-organic chemists, engineers, and stuff in translating their innovations into patents because it's quite a process that we we are all um, very familiar with how to uh, like submit a paper, how to write a paper, how to go about it, what the process is. But for, for scientists, I feel that patents is still quite a... I, I didn't know how to read a patent. Um, when I was doing science, I had no idea. I was like, no, that's not for me, that's for companies. Uh, which is not true. Which is not true. A lot of universities and, and research institutions, they have patent offices, they have patent support, and they have all the resources that you need. Mm. There is a, usually a protocol yeah. to, to do it. Like if you think you have made an innovation or invention, however you call it, 
But yeah, it's it's so fascinating. And with my job, I didn't know that such a thing exists. I'm so happy that I, I stumbled upon this job offer, um, and now I'm doing it because I was like, oh, "This is so cool! I have to do it." <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. And oh. um, I will. I, yeah, you're talking about the pattern, having been the scientist going through that. And being told like, no, broaden it out, broaden it out. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, they want you to write it in a very different way than a paper. <laughs> yeah, um, it's yeah. an unusual, it's an unusual process. Um, yeah. Maybe one day I'll even make some money from that patent. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> be nice, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. And um, so. I mean, I think I've I've got a a really good sort of overview of what you do, and also your passions with the science communications and stuff. Um, obviously, we met at the iScientist conference, which is a, uh, I mean, it's an international conference, but it's based in Germany. And so last year it was in Berlin, and so it was great to meet you. Um, and I know that you've just done an. Inter- am I right that you've you did an interview with the iScientist people recently? Yes, yes, uh, I did, I did. Um, so this year, so this was the fourth uh, time the iScientist was taking place. So the first edition was in 2017. It was in Berlin. Uh, 2018 and 2019 was also in Berlin. Uh, 19 was where we met. Um, and 2020, uh, this last month, uh, the iScientist uh, took place virtually. It was supposed to happen in Constance, so the, to the south of Germany. Yeah. There's this beautiful uh, city or town place. I think it's a city. Uh, a city? Okay. I think so. Okay. In Germany, I mean, there are, if it's a city, then it's called a city, like Mannheim City, Heidelberg. And I don't remember seeing Constance City, but maybe it's a city. Sorry, Constance people, if you are, if you, if you think it's a city, a beautiful place called Constance uh, in the south of Germany. Um, and recently, uh, before the conference, I I got in touch with the with the organizers uh, because again, fascinating. I found it super fascinating that first of all, these are mostly PhD students or master's students who are doing organizing this conference on the side. Um, and this is something also, uh, when I was part of the organizing team in 2018, I did as well. And I basically wanted to give them like an hour or two of this, like, okay, let your guard down and just talk about the, the conference, because uh, it can get quite stressful. Um, so we recorded uh, a nice video with them where we talked about what I think this is, uh, who is attending it? What can the people expect when they're attending the conference? Um, and two more questions, I think, uh, which I don't remember now. But yeah, yeah, it was it was quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um. First of all, Constance, the the winter markets, the Christmas markets in Constance are absolutely beautiful. They're some of the best. Um, so I lived in Zurich for four years, and so Constance wasn't that far away. It was just on the other side of the German border. So we we went there quite a few times, and so absolutely beautiful. There's a, a 
they have this big beautiful lake and they set the sort of christmas markets up in the middle and it's all lit up with these fairy lights and candle ah it's just it's it's uh it's fairy tale uh um <laughs> which is great so sorry uh just fond memories there oh. <laughs> yeah um uh, but yeah i scientists so we met there because it, it it is it's it's um it's a it's a conference which is held to show that scientists are diverse that it's it's a diverse uh you know that there isn't one type of scientist and it's specifically it seems they want to promote different people so i mean i didn't know about it because it started after i left switzerland uh, which is when i would have most likely heard about it but then i was invited to talk about diversity in stem especially from the lgbti plus point of view um and and so you've been going you've been on the organizing committee as well you said yeah, for the 2018, uh, so the iScientist conference gets a fresh batch of organizers every year. So the idea is bring in, from my understanding, the idea is to bring in uh, fresh ideas and a fresh experience because it's quite an experience to organize a conference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was part of the organizing committee uh, team in for the 2018 edition. So not last year, the year before that. The yeah um yeah currently organizing a conference at the moment so i know all about that yeah which is also going to be virtual uh yeah you you know you you put it out there to try and bring a conference to in my case oxford and then it's like oh well we're gonna have to do it digitally now it's like a little disappointed but it's it's, um in some ways it's nice because you don't need to find the same financing as you do if it's different different yeah. levels of financing which there is, is nice. no catering there is no venue there's... <laughs> there's no travel there's no venue there's no catering it's great so it means that we can concentrate on you know other things which is which is good <laughs> but yeah no i mean i loved um it felt i scientist and and the conference i, I you know I'm, I'm part of the uh it's the lgbt seminar conference that i'm running and I, I felt iScientist was very different to um, your more standard science conference because people, I felt that people were allowed to speak with passion. They were allowed to talk about their experience. They were encouraged to share the good and the bad of science. And so we saw some good science and people were talking about their science, but also we were talking about the culture and like I say, it felt a lot more open than um, most conferences that you go to as a scientist. And I don't know. And, and so it was good. Like I say, I met some amazing people and I'm so glad to still be in touch with you. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it just felt a lot more open. And we I think we need more of this. We need more of these things, especially... The next generation so that we can change the culture overall i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean i assume you agree because uh, you're on the organizing committee <laughs> yeah i mean i completely agree i mean it's it's uh when you say conference the scientist head directly goes to okay scientific talks there are going to be and i have to be completely like scientific science 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 but i scientists i feel that it's about science, of course, 
about scientists. It's it's more about scientists than the science itself. So it's, yeah. it has to do everything around being a scientist. Everything basically includes or tries to include everything, and it's definitely um, as scientists, it's like a it's like a really nice bubble, a comfort bubble that you don't want to leave. Um, after after these three four days are over, and we definitely definitely need more of conferences like I Scientist. And um, from what I understand, LGBTQ um, plus the seminar, uh, it also is um, it's it, it's going in that direction to a certain extent. Uh, from what I understand, or is it more about the science itself? It's interesting. <laughs> so it's very much everyone has to submit scientific abstracts. So all the talks are on science. Um, but people are able to, you know, we want the talks to be about science. But also we say like, you know, you can spend, say, five minutes or so talking about your experiences, talking about, you know, it's another hard and fast number there but yeah we we want people to be open about their experiences in science and the good and the bad but we mostly want to uh, just get together a whole bunch of scientists and be like hey look at all these different science uh-huh. i know uh when i went to that conference for the first time i i often say it was the first time i went to a scientific conference and heard people laugh <laughs> um <laughs> People just felt like, you know, you could see more passion and people were able to be that. You weren't just trying to do the science and be like a professional. And so people could talk openly and honestly. And like I say, how often do you hear people talk at science conference? And and it was the same with iScientist. It had that same, uh, that same feeling that, you know, there was passion. People were talking from the stage and there was passion. And... It was a really good, diverse lineup. People were talking about, you know, there was talks about race and and trans issues and LGBTI plus issues and women in science. And it was just, I saw some fantastic speakers while I was there, um, who, you know, normally I wouldn't hear speak because they're not in my field. And if you go to a conference, you go to a conference in your field. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just remembering that scientists of people and putting that to the forefront and being able to talk about their experience is really powerful yeah i mean I, I was also speaking with one of the or several of the attendees from this year so it was a it was first of all it was done virtually and they managed to maintain the spirit i must say they did a fantastic job so if you need okay. any help with organizing this conference that you are the lgbtq uh, seminar uh, let me know and I can put you in touch with the organizers of the iScientist conference. Um, and it's, so we were speaking about um, how cool iScientist, uh, the conference is and the concept is. And one of the reasons why it, it's so comfortable is because you know that most of the attendees or all of the attendees or participants of the conference, you're on the same page on so many things. Your morals are aligned, so it's easier to get the conversation going. You don't have to do the small talk if you don't want to. You can just get straight to the point and be like, okay, I'm doing my PhD, and I think I saw, just as an example, which you wouldn't do at a scientific mm-hmm. conference. 
you would never do that unless you have a comfort zone with the with the with, uh, with the other participants and i think that's extremely important to be able to speak openly and have that comfort uh, level to be able to talk about it and also with passion so much passion it was just so so heartwarming it always is so heartwarming and i mean as a as a straight person i do not i honestly and the kind of upbringing i've had and the exposure i've had i haven't had a lot of diversity in my network uh, so to say and i scientists change that heavily 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 change that because i i just don't know how to go about it i mean i didn't know how to go about it but now with the i scientists conference i know how to um this is my safe place this is where i get to open my mind as well and i'm open to ideas i, I know that i can ask a question to you clara and i can ask you in a way that you will understand and not be like uh hey what which is probably i won't even ask my my other friends hmm. so uh, that's the kind of comfort and that's the kind of passion that i think this brings and connects people and i'm so happy that we are still in touch and we are talking now as well it's so cool <laughs> it is it is but and and you're right it's you know the the people that you've met there because i think there's this idea that um you know especially i'm looking at the debate around trans rights and it's a case of people say oh well if you get it wrong then people will just tear you down and people are scared to ask questions and i think having a, that sort of environment where people know that they can ask questions i mean you know um and and i'm part of a few other groups as well that are part of this group tigers in stem and because you know i've grown up in the uk as a white person and so and and there's certain things that i want to, i need to ask and i need because i need to learn more i need to know more and i just don't have that experience in that um perspective and it's great to have these groups where you can actually if people genuinely want to learn to improve to make things better you know we're not going to tear people down we're going to we're going to answer those questions if you're genuinely asking for the genuine reasons for honest reasons to make you know then you can we can speak about it um and so it's 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 really nice to hear that you know yeah like you say i scientists i mean there's so much passion at that conference i mean the number of times i heard you know cheers and you know the the audience erupts when someone says something in one of their talks or in the answer response to a question you know i think there was one question that i answered and everyone just started shouting it's like yeah and it's like <laughs> <laughs> um and and you you know normally it's just a very very yeah. polite clapping and so like I say people genuinely care but it it's awesome that things like iScientist exist and other conferences and I'd love to say that so I think you know the LGBTQ plus seminar um it's it's definitely for a it's for LGBTI plus people you know it, that's what it is whereas um 
I scientist is more about scientists and it's it's a bit broader and I like that. I like sort of looking outwards. I still think we need our own small pockets of things, you know. I mean like, you know, there's a black in STEM conference. We still need those sort of things. Um but it's nice to also be able to meet other activists from other fields and discuss and open up and honestly make friends but also make contact as well, mate, you know. It's a great conference, it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, I was so glad that you feel the same way about the iScientist conference. You're all giddy and like, ha ah. So it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, it was It was just really sad when I was leaving because I knew that um, I don't necessarily have the funding to be able to travel to Germany to go to that conference normally, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh. um, <laughs> you know, it's this idea that you've been to it and it's like, oh no, like, might not be able to come back you know but yeah. it's nice i mean i've been to a few different conferences and like i said there's the lgbt seminar i think that's great and then i've been to a few other conferences i went to one in north cyprus last at the end of last year as well and that was it was that same sort of thing it was that i mean that was more general that was acad- academia uh, and it was well it was lgbt in academia um but there are more of these conferences and you're seeing them in all different places and it's great. But at the same time, it was like, oh no, what if I can't come back? You know. <laughs> and then, of course, this year it was digital. It's like, oh, I could have gone to that, but I was so busy trying to prepare the lab and open up and it's a weird year. It's a weird year. Yeah, 2020 doesn't count. No. For all the bad things, 2020 doesn't count. From 2019, we jump straight to 2021. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For all the bad things. All the bad things. All the good things, yes, 2020 counts. Yeah, yeah. And there have been good things as well, but yeah. Gotta, um, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to sort of let you go shortly on here, but I wondered if there was anything that you wanted to talk about that we hadn't covered. I mean, maybe there's not, but maybe there's something, you know, something that you are really happy and excited that you want to talk about, whether it's science or diversity in STEM or or whatever, or your job, uh, but maybe you've covered it all, but if there's anything else you'd like to talk about, well, that um, doesn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I would like to uh, say definitely that uh, I didn't know what to expect, uh, but I think we covered everything, uh, science communication, my job, my science as well. After so long, I got to speak about my science. Uh, it was so nice and um, talked about I scientists as well. Always, always great, um, great, great speaking about that as well. Other than that, well, I don't really have anything <laughs> that pops in, pops in my mind. I can talk about something that I'm working on at the moment. Oh, that'll be uh, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is mainly focused. Uh, and I did like a trial run of it at the iScientist conference um, last month. So I'm basically putting together like a scientist brand building toolkit. And I would actually like to know what you think about it. So it's basically to establish a scientist uh, digital presence uh, so that they are more discoverable or they are more mm. um, either be it for science communication, be it for professional reasons, whatever. So I'm trying to put together these workshops or trainings on um, how to make the most out of Twitter as a scientist, um, how to get started uh, if you're interested in science communication, or um, how to, how to uh, 
uh, ace your LinkedIn presence, for example, like how to get the most out of LinkedIn, basically. So I'm trying to put together these trainings or workshops mainly for scientists. Um, I don't know if there is such a thing that exists. I don't know, but I'm trying to put the, the toolkit together. So, so I call it scientist brand building toolkit. Uh, that's what I'm working on. I actually would like to hear what you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's really important, especially at this moment in time. We always hear about the professional side of it, like the papers and the conferences. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, Twitter is, I know so many scientists from Twitter now from different fields, and I'm pretty sure that I've had conference uh, invites because of, of things like Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's a really good idea, and yeah, I'm absolutely happy to uh, talk. And, and even if there is one out there already, and I don't know that there is, but if there is, I'm sure you'll do it better anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. Is this uh, is this a passion project, or is it is it something that you're doing yourself on your own time? Yeah, so this is my passion project again, doing it on my own time. I think in 2020, I just have so much time on my, uh, like at my disposal that I'm just creating these uh, new new things and new projects. So uh, part of these workshops will be done by me, and part of them will also be I'll, I'll bring in my expert uh, friends because I have friends who are like really experts at digital marketing. Uh, so their perspective is also really fresh and their their perspective is also kind of new. So I'm kind of trying to blend different worlds to bring, at the end of the day, what I want is scientists are interested in building their brand or establishing their digital presence, that they have all these tools if they want to do it, or if and when they want to do it, if they want to get started with LinkedIn, if they want to get started with Twitter. Okay, now is the time. Uh, Okay, just uh, join our next workshop or next training. Um, and then, yeah, basically have all the tips and tricks that I would have, I could have used when I started off. Um, that's, oh. that's the idea. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I think it is important. And I know that I know that I could market myself better if I, you <laughs> know, did it by the book and did it properly. There's certain things where it's like, you know, even, you know, how you do your thumbnail on YouTube and stuff like that. I know, and and also just tweeting more consistently and things like that. I know I could do so much better, but also I keep on flittering around and doing different stuff. So I'm just like, oh, well, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I... I, <laughs> I think I, it's a I great think, idea. Yeah, oh, thank you. I mean, this is also something that I'm also going to... I'm also sharing with whoever is attending these workshops or trainings is that See, at the end of the day, the idea is to have fun. Are you having fun? If you have fun with tweeting once in three weeks, that's fine. Yeah. That's you. That's that's your brand. That's that's what you are. It's up to you what you want your brand to be. And you shouldn't just tweet just for the sake of it. Or you shouldn't be active just for the sake of it. There should be a reason behind it. So as as long as you're having fun, you create your own brand. You create your own digital presence. What I do is tell you how to do it, technically how to do it, and there's some tips and tricks here and there, how to go about it. But at the end of the day, it completely depends on what you want the brand Clara to be, for example. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just thinking we were talking about uh, sort of teaching and 
and and research and on, on all sorts of things but i think over you know we've got this with sort of the i scientist generation and and people sort of my age and, and your age and people just finishing and graduating and we've got a different we've got different tools as scientists we've got different tools at our disposal and we're doing science in a different way and and hopefully you know with me and my youtube videos doing the um the animations and stuff this will all filter through into teaching it'll filter through into research i mean we will have different ways of doing it and i'm really once we start to see you know all these changes over the last five years you know when i mean social media has been around for longer but it's really sort of taken off i'm really curious to see how different the environment in science will be in five years time yeah yeah that that definitely is uh that's that's a cool thought. I mean, if you think about it, ten years ago, the way people would find collaborators is at conferences. Yeah. But now I think it's already happening that you find collaborators uh, and write research projects together and work on research projects together successfully uh, by finding each other on Twitter or liking each other's tweet or retweeting or somehow. So this is like the digital collaboration, digital age of scientific collaboration, uh, like one aspect of it, of course. But there are so many other things uh, that we're definitely saying for the world of science as well. So let's talk in five years and see. <laughs> yeah. But at, at, at the very least, though, what we're doing is that we're, people are able to sort of listen to more stuff that's outside of their field, but also they're getting to see more role models. They're getting to see people like you, you know, they're, they're getting to see more people. And so hopefully it means that more people will feel that they do belong in science and we're not pushing as many people out. And yeah, I'm excited to see the results. It's yeah. one of those things like you're doing all this cool stuff and it's like, I don't want to wait. I want it to be ready now. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I always say this, like, I want to live in a world where companies or universities don't need a diversity officer, because that's the normal. Yeah. You don't need what diversity. Of course, we are diverse. So yeah, I want to live in that world. Oh, me too. How great would that be when, when it's just, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I keep on saying with my youth groups, my success is when we don't need my youth groups anymore. You know, when the young people that come to my youth group can just go to the other youth groups that are running that have got the skills in the art or, you know, drama or music or, um, you know, hockey or whatever it is. My success is when I'm obsolete. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. Near future, we have that future real soon. In our lifetime, at least. Let's look for that. It'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Like I say, I'll put your links for your Twitter and your YouTube below. Um, and you. with that, thank you so much for chatting. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was so lovely speaking with you, Clara. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. My first feature, yay! Yay! And, yay! and it was a pleasure. It was so much fun. And it was just, and you know, it was a great excuse to talk to you again as well. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, yeah. We should record uh, more podcasts to find reasons to talk. <laughs> oh, we can do that. We can do that. 
Yeah, so that's Pronoti. Um, yeah, just so full of enthusiasm and excitement, and it's just a real pleasure to be chatting with her every time I do get the opportunity to, um, which I, you know, down the years has been a couple of times. Um, I'm really grateful that she had the time to come on this podcast um, and chat, and uh, I will release this as a podcast as well as YouTube. Um, yeah, and it was just really great to be able to talk about the outreach that she does, as well as her research and her day job, and also iScientist, like I say, is a fantastic uh, conference that runs in Germany. So uh, with that, thanks very much. Uh, if you can, like, subscribe. Uh, the, the channel uh, if you're um, watching this or rather listening to this as a podcast then um, you know, follow me I guess I don't really know how it works but um, yeah certainly on YouTube it helps if you and until next time take it easy and bye bye